listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. What's up, Colorado? Today's podcast is your January 2022 market update for Denver and Colorado Springs. My name is Chris Lopez. I'm the co-host, and I'm talking Denver. I've got my other co-host, Jenny Bayless, who's talking Springs today. Jenny, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you, Chris? Doing really good. So today's podcast, we'll go through a couple just very high-level data points. And then as Jenny and I were talking, you know, the last six weeks, last eight weeks, really all of 2022 so far, a lot has changed uh, in terms of interest rates, projections, and everything else going on. So we're going to talk some higher level, more macro investing strategies and how it's impacting our investing plans as well. So Jenny, let's kind of get through, I don't want to say, I don't want to say basic stuff, but just the routine data we talk about. And we'll yeah. keep it short here because it's, it's kind of the same old, same old. <laughs> Super low inventory, um, high price appreciation, and there's just not enough damn properties out in the market for everyone that wants to buy one. Yeah, That's the summary for Denver. Summary <laughs> in Springs. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto? Yep. So yeah. apparently our inventory did go up a little bit um, this past month, which um, is pretty exciting, even though, you know, in percentages it's 20%, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot when you go from 425 uh, you know, to, to a little bit more than that. So <laughs> this, this was going from December to January or year over year? Uh, let's see. So year over year, we are up, um, let's see, 2%. So okay. yeah, um, it, it's not much different from a seasonality perspective. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting to kind of see if people start to to sell, um, you know, coming into the spring season, we're almost, we're almost there. I would consider like March, April, um, springtime. So I'm hoping that we start to see a little bit more, but it's just, you know, really slim out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, spring season's already started up here in Denver. We, our active inventory is down about 50% from last January. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's, it seems like it's interesting. That's one of the few times we've had divergent data. Like yeah. we're, we are uh, down about almost 50%. And even January, December, we're down uh, about 20%. So wow. we're getting tighter and tighter inventory. Wow. That's wow. almost hard to believe. So I guess literally no one is selling in Denver. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, the few people that are, they're just, there's 10 people ready to buy their home. Right. Right. They so get whatever they want for it, pretty much. Yep. Um, so I mean, from a you know high overall market perspective, the market is very tough right now, which kind of brings us to the second and lengthier discussion on the podcast today is that with inventory being so tight, with almost every property going over list price, with interest rates rising, cash flow getting tighter, what should someone do? <laughs> And this kind of takes us uh, to what Jenny and I were talking about for the call and stuff that she and I talk a lot about just as we, uh, you know, our friends and chit chat throughout the week is just what do we see going on and where are we putting our money? And Jenny, I know you had kind of wanted to go through a couple higher level metrics. Where do you want to start? 
Yeah, let's talk about interest rates. Um, so anyone who's been shopping between, let's say, end of December to now is probably getting sticker shock on their interest rates. Um, I know I personally am. I'm I'm shopping, which we'll get into later probably. Um, but yeah, I, I closed on a property, a single family home in late November at 3.375%. And then I closed again on a property uh, beginning of February at 4.375%, which I, you know, was not happy about because I've been spoiled for the past couple of years with low interest rates. And now I'm under contract again on a different property for 4.875%. I could not believe that. <laughs> so it's like one and a half. Is that for a single family home? For a single family home, 25% down. Um, so one and a half percent more than what I bought in just November, end of November. So that is pretty significant, just in my opinion, in terms of how quickly we got to that point. Um, that's really, really fast. So I mean, that's like a, what, 33% increase or so in interest rate. Yeah. Like that's just, that's just wild to me. So, you know, I know a lot of people are, who are shopping are aware of this and kind of the word on the street is that people are even more frenzied right now because there's no sign of the interest rate rising, slowing down, but there's no supply to kind of, you know, have any sort of impact um, on the demand that's currently there. Like typically if interest rates rise, you would expect prices to come down a little bit. But I think that the supply constraints and the high demand are kind of overruling um, the impact of interest rates. So it's very interesting right now. Yeah, that's kind of where like the the psychological aspect of investing and the markets come into play, where it almost... Um, because I agree, if the interest rates rise, it should decrease demand. But then if a lot of people are out there thinking, oh my gosh, prices are going up, interest rates going up, I need to buy really sooner rather than later, which I think creates a, a, a spike in the immediate, can create a spike in the immediate demand, because that's what I would be doing. Yeah. Yep. I don't, of, see that. I don't see anything changing. I don't either. And that's kind of what um, I, I'm doing as well. Like I'm, I'm certainly front loading my investments this year. Um, you know, the plan was uh, to buy four, four units um, and we're about to close on number five next week. Um, and I would like to buy one more um, this spring and just kind of front loaded into next year's goals um, because I'm kind of taking the bet that I, I think that prices and interest rates are both going to rise over the this coming year. So I could be totally wrong, um, but that that's kind of my hunch. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think the uh, well, interest rates are still relatively low compared to you know historical multi-decade view. Mm -hmm. It's you know it's not where we're used to the last couple of years. So I think people are getting st uh, sticker shock from that. <laughs> um, and I, I think interest rates will bounce around here where they're at for a bit. We'll see prices continue to rise, but here, here's kind of the other side of the coin because when prices go up, interest rates go up. It's a, it's a double whammy 
mm-hmm. on what the cat what it does for the cash flow and overall performance of the property. Yeah. Because that both creates the monthly payments to go up. Rents are rising a lot though, too. Um and actually I'll, I'll read a few quotes before I, I get into what I was about to say, because I had just gotten a report from Apartment List, uh, a company has a lot of great data out here. And so they look at uh, you know, apartment complexes in Denver. And, ju- and I'm reading a few snippets from this article here. In just the past 12 months, prices for Denver apartments have increased 16.5%. Rink growth in 2021 has completely wiped away any market softness introduced by the pandemic in 2020. And that's for Denver and the other suburbs on Denver Metro. They're all about the same. I mean, 13 to 17% for a lot of the common areas around Denver Metro. I know Springs has been similar, you know, double digit growth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some instances, these rent growths are higher than sometimes the price appreciation. Yeah. And, you know, so mentally, I'm like, wow, okay, we're seeing interest rates go up. We're seeing prices go up. We're also seeing inflation tick up and we're seeing uh, rent growth tick up. And what it's really done to me the last four weeks is I'm having a little bit of a, I guess, identity crisis might be the, no, variable assumption crisis when it comes to putting numbers in the spreadsheets. <laughs> I've always put in like 3% for rent growth, 3% for appreciation. Like I'll be conservative. I mean, 3% though is just, I think it's too conservative now. Um, but I think both prices and rent growth will be 5 to 15% range this year. Like what, you know, I know, I know they're going to increase. How do you model it? And how much of this higher rent increase offsets that, hey, the properties by now are not as good performing, but we see all the data, we see all the trends, we should be in the money in the future, so to speak. Yeah, I, I'm i with you on that. I don't have a good answer for it. Um, I've just been using the really conservative numbers um, when modeling things out because I think um, a, a constraint is at some point, affordability is going to become an issue. And then what happens? Are people going to just move in with each other, move in with parents? You know, when you're spending 60% of your income on on rent, um, something has got to give at that point, I would imagine. And I don't think the alternative is that they're going to become buyers. Um, And if they are, then that's just going to kind of make it like a self-licking ice cream cone where, okay, now there's more buyers entering the market again. So, you know, I I just, I really don't know how this is going to shake out, but at some point, uh, something has to top off, I I would imagine, um, on the rent side of things. Yeah, I I don't know, but um, it kind of takes into, for me, like the mindset of investing, like obviously numbers are changing. Does that change fundamental real estate investing? Right. doesn't change it. I think you have to reevaluate it differently as cash flow is getting tighter, but we're seeing just some crazy growth numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are legitimate supply and demand issues and like market cycles, not um, you know bad loans or junky stuff going on. And also the other alternative is like what where else where else do I invest my money? Where else do you invest your money? Where else do our clients invest their money? Yeah. Uh, what I mean. Bond, stock market, crypto. I mean, it's just regardless. I say, oh wow, this is getting tougher. Should I should I reallocate where I'm investing my money? I'm like, as I look at the things, 
I go back to no. If anything, I actually want to put more money into real estate because it's, you know, more inflation proof. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's caused a lot of internal discussion in myself. And just for the record, like I'm not a crypto person. I don't invest in crypto. Um, so I don't understand that market. And I know that, you know, a lot of people are making are making and losing money in that uh, market. <laughs> I'm really like a stock real estate. I'll invest in businesses. Um, but I keep going back to like, hey, these numbers are getting tougher, but what the hell else to do with my money? Right. Yeah, that's I mean, I'm I'm pretty biased as to like what we invest in. It's primarily um real estate is is the bulk of our investments. But I mean, I'm I'm personally like I mentioned before, I'm I'm kind of reshifting and and kind of moving up plans to reinvest now into real estate because I think that long term that's going to be a better investment, um, at least to put our cash right now because <laughs> because I feel like it's just getting eroded, um, you know, in terms of what prices are are, are doing and. Um, so yeah, I think I'd rather put it into a real asset and just kind of shift my, um, expectations to cash flow is, you know, kind of a cherry on top. Um, you know, I think that you might need to put more into reserves, um, in this time, even though I, you know, just mentioned, I, I can kind of feel my cash being eroded. I still think that, um, you know, I, I'm probably going to boost up my cash reserves in addition to boosting up my real estate investments. And that's kind of my plan for Why this Why are you year. boosting your cash reserves? Just because I am not smart enough to figure out like what exactly is going on. Uh, <laughs> so if, if my cash flow is very, very thin, if my margins are super thin, you know, one furnace or one water heater, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm kept afloat. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing uh, that's I'm is on my radar again now is you know last couple of years since the pandemic focused like thirty year debt was the way to go, but now we're like looking at portfolio or local bank loans with some of their adjustable rate products. Yeah. Uh, I'm really curious to see that because you know historically a lot of times those have been lower than thirty year fixed interest rates. Yeah. And that's because you know hey they're saying hey for five years seven years ten years we'll give you a guaranteed interest rate which puts a lot risk on them versus a 30-year guarantee. So as as uh, conventional rates go up, you know, Fannie, Freddie, those rates go up. I'm really curious to... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm starting to call bankers and my friends out there to see what the rates are, um, to see what's, see what's going on there. Because there's been stuff from the threes. And yeah. if that's if a, if an adjustable rate product in the threes, that's going to make a lot more immediate cash flow. And it's a five-year or seven-year arm and you're not planning on holding the property past much past five or seven years, that becomes a very attractive loan product then um, and potentially increases cash flow. So you read my mind. Um, so I started Did exploring I? that. Yeah. I <laughs> probably not much because there's probably not much <laughs> in my mind right now. But um, yeah, so I was exploring the same thing. So the house, the single family home that we're going to close on, um, it just didn't work out to go the local lender route because of um, we wrote our contract in, in a, cl- a short closing timeframe. Um, the local lender couldn't close. So going into, you know, this next property, this nebulous next property that, that we're going to purchase, I'm going to just keep in mind probably a four week close 
but use an arm product um, with First Bank. Uh, we've, we've banked with them. We've, we have several loans with, with First Bank um, because like you said, it's just, you know, interest rate is significantly different. And um, I think that we've structured our portfolio in a way that while I would not recommend an arm product to someone who maybe doesn't have all their financial ducks in a row, because that, you know, can present a little bit of risk once that period comes up. I think that we're positioned in a way that, you know, we could sell it, refinance it, pay it off, whatever. Um, if, if the interest rates, um, you know, became a little too high, uh, to, to carry it. But Can I ask what was the, uh, Again, disclaimer, I know this, you're not quoting yeah. interest rates here, but what was the difference in the 30-year versus portfolio product on this property you're looking at right now? Yeah, so we were quoted um, a five-year arm at 3.625, a seven-year arm at 3.875, and then I'm I'm doing a 30-year conventional at 4.875, so yeah. a percentage. We're, we're thinking about the seven just to give us, you know, two more years to kind of figure out what we're going to do. Um, but I mean, that's pretty significant. So. <laughs> no, that's a lot. And that's something that, you know, um, just because of the market, we just got very focused on third conventional because that was, that was the best place, generally yeah. speaking, for the vast majority of investors. And now it's like with an interest rate environment, ARM products uh, and local banks um, dig into them look into it. Now I understand that's different for primary residents on house hacking versus an investment product. Mm-hmm. Um, house hacking, 30 are still the way to go. 30 are conventional is the way to go, but investment, ARM products, um, I think are definitely back on the radar now. Yeah. And I, like, I, like I mentioned, if you're newer, I certainly wouldn't go that route. Um, but if you have yeah. a little bit to play with, because um, you know, the risk, you have an interest rate risk with, with an ARM product and then, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I'll hear that point. I mean, 10 years yeah. ago when I bought around 11 years ago, I bought my first property. I, I would not consider myself, you know, investment financially savvy enough to do arm products, but now I feel very comfortable doing it. Um, so I, I think that's a great point is understand your own risk tolerance, understand where you're at in the marketplace and understand hey, in five years, Hey, here's what this area could look like. What do you plan on doing? And do you have the financial, uh, reserves to adapt anything that needs to be adapted to. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. But yeah, it, it's very interesting how quickly, um, you know, kind of my my thought on ARM versus 30-year fix went. Um, but I do have to say, you know, I was just curious. I wanted to see what some of my uh, older interest rates were. So when I first started investing 2016, 2017, I think end of 17, early 18, um, when we we're buying quite a few through, uh, through doing the Burr method, I was almost at 6%, um, on a lot of our properties. And it's funny how 6%? fast, yeah, it was like cresting 6%. It was like really high 5%. Um, and it's just so funny how quickly I forgot that. Um, and that, you know, I'm complaining about a high four and here I was at like high fives a couple of years ago. So it's just, it's interesting um, how, how quickly everything changes. And, and that's the reality. All, you know, we can only adapt to the market. So when the market gives us something and the market, it raises interest rates, then you, you say, okay, great. Let me reevaluate because we're not going to change the market. 
Mm-hmm. We're not going to change interest rates. So we have to adapt with the markets, you know, the Denver market, the financial markets, whatever markets out there, what they give us. So, so are you, you going to uh, ramp up your buying this year? Like what, what are you going to do? Cause I know last time we chatted, you were probably going to press pause this year. Um, not, not press pause. Uh, it's just, I still want to buy a couple of properties this year, but just focusing on some like business opportunities, some business growth mm-hmm. is like my, my high priority just because those are like, you know, number one, I enjoyed a lot more like the business creation process. Like I love spending 80 hours, you know, 50, 60 hours a week on it. And I can get like, if it goes well, it can be a much higher return than this real estate investment. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm prioritizing that, um, as like, for my main allocation of time and capital, but still want to buy one or two rentals, but that'll probably be later this year. And I'm like, well, I'm going to, I would love to buy right now, but in the grand scheme of things of what's going on, like in Chris Lopez's world, um, <laughs> buying real estate, even though I'm chomping the bit too with all the stuff we talked about the last 20 minutes, it's not top of the radar. It's doing some, it's funding some business expansion. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much capital somebody has. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and if you had infinite, then we wouldn't worry about investing. So (laughs) yeah, that that exactly right. Um, cool. Well, Jenny, this was a great podcast. Uh, We're at the twenty minute mark, so I think we'll wrap up here. So, investors out there, let us know your thoughts on this. How are you adapting the marketplace? How's this changing your plans? The last eight weeks has been uh, quite a change in marketplace. Email us, comment, uh, direct message us whatever, let us know. And we'll be doing more of these market updates. And we'll be talking more of these uh, bigger picture items as to what to do in this changing environment. Jenny, great job as always. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. And of course, if anyone out there needs help investing in rental properties, reach out to me, reach out to Jenny, emails, or go to the website and fill up the investment consultation form. And we'd love to chat with you. Have a great one. 